Chapter Three of the Joyous Adventures of Aristide Pujol by William John Locke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Adventure of the Kind Mister Smith. Aristide Pujol started life on his own account as a chasseur in a Nice cafe one of those luckless children tightly encased in bottle green cloth by means of brass buttons who earn a sketchy livelihood by enduring with cherubic smiles the continuous maledictions of the establishment there he soothed his hours of servitude by dreams of vast ambitions he would become the manager of a great hotel not a contemptible hostelry where commercial travellers and seedy germans were indifferently bedded but one of those white palaces where milords english and millionaires american paid a thousand francs a night for a bedroom and five louis for a glass of beer now in order to derive such profit from the anglo-saxon a knowledge of english was indispensable he resolved to learn the language how he did so except by sheer effrontery taking linguistic toll of frequenters of the cafe would be a mystery to any one unacquainted with aristide but to his friends his mastery of the english tongue in such circumstances is comprehensible to aristide the impossible was ever the one thing easy of attainment the possible the one thing he never could achieve that was the paradoxical nature of the man before his days of hunted little devildom were over he had acquired sufficient knowledge of english to carry him a few years later through various vicissitudes in england until fired by new social ambitions and self-educated in a haphazard way he found himself appointed professor of french in an academy for young ladies one of these days when i can pin my dragonfly friend down to a plain unvarnished autobiography i may be able to trace some chronological sequence in the kaleidoscopic changes in his career but hitherto in his talks with me he flits about from any one date to any other during a couple of decades in a manner so confusing that for the present i abandon such an attempt all i know of the date of the episode i am about to chronicle is that it occurred immediately after the termination of his engagement at the academy just mentioned somehow aristide's history is a category of terminations if the headmistress of the academy had herself played dragon at his classes all would have gone well he would have made his pupils conjugate irregular verbs rendered them adepts in the mysteries of the past participle and the subjunctive mood and turned them out quite innocent of the idiomatic quaintness of the french tongue but dis aliter visum the gods always saw wrong-headedly otherwise in the case of aristide a weak-minded governess and in a governess a sense of humour and of novelty is always a sign of a weak mind played dragon during aristide's lessons she appreciated his method which was colloquial the colloquial aristide was jocular his lessons therefore were a giggling joy from beginning to end he imparted to his pupils delicious knowledge on avez-vous des humades oh les albettes elles ont du poil aux pattes which being translated is have you any lobsters 
oh the dirty animals they have hair on their feet a catch phrase which some years ago added greatly to the gaiety of paris but in which i must confess to seeing no gleam of wit became the historic property of the school he recited to them till they were word perfect a music hall ditty of the early eighties sur le bille sur le banc sur le bille du bout du banc and delighted them with dissertations on madame yvette guibert's earlier repertoire but for him they would have gone to their lives end without knowing that pognon meant money ruspetance assaulting the police thune a five-franc piece and buffet to make nourishment he made according to his own statement french a living language there was never a school in great britain the colonies or america on which the parisian accent was so electrically impressed the retort eh tassier was the purest montmartre also fichma la paix mon petit and tu es en tu paix toi and the delectable locution allons étrangler un perroquet let us strangle a parrot employed by apaches when inviting each other to drink a glass of absinthe soon became current french in the school for invitations to surreptitious cocoa parties the progress that academy made in a real grip of the french language was miraculous but the knowledge it gained in french grammar and syntax was deplorable a certain mid-term examination the paper being set by a neighbouring vicar produced awful results the phrase how do you do dear which ought by all the rules of stratford artevoir to be translated by comment vous portez-vous ma chère was rendered by most of the senior scholars eh ma vieille sa boulotte one innocent and anachronistic damsel writing on the execution of charles i declared that he cracha dans la panier in sixteen forty nine thereby mystifying the good vicar who was unaware that to spit into the basket is to be guillotined this wealth of vocabulary was discounted by abject poverty in other branches of the language no one could give a list of the words in isle that took s in the plural no one knew anything at all about the defective verb échois and the orthography of the school would have disgraced a kindergarten the headmistress suspected a lack of method in the teaching of m pujol and one day paid his class a surprise visit the sight that met her eyes petrified her the class including the governess bubbled and gurgled and shrieked with laughter m pujol his bright eyes agleam with merriment and his arms moving in frantic gestures danced about the platform he was telling them a story and when aristide told a story he told it with the eloquence of his entire frame he bent himself double and threw out his hands il était saoul comme un poc he shouted and then came the hush of death the rest of the artless tale about the man as drunk as a pig was never told the headmistress indignant majesty strode up the room monsieur pujol you have a strange way of giving french lessons i believe madame said he with a polite bow in interesting my pupils in their studies pupils have to be taught not interested 
said the headmistress will you kindly put the class through some irregular verbs so for the remainder of the lesson aristide under the freezing eyes of the headmistress put his sorrowful class through irregular verbs of which his own knowledge was singularly inexact and at the end received his dismissal in vain he argued outraged minerva was implacable go he must we find him then one miserable december evening standing on the arrival platform of euston station the academy was near manchester an unwanted statue of dubiety at his feet lay his meagre valise in his hand was an enormous bouquet a useful tribute of esteem from his disconsolate pupils around him luggage-laden porters and passengers hurried in front were drawn up the long line of cabs their drivers waterproofs glistening with wet and in his pocket rattled the few paltry coins that for heaven knew how long were to keep him from starvation should he commit the extravagance of taking a cab or should he go forth valise in hand into the pouring rain he hesitated sacre mille cochons quel chien de clément he muttered a smart footman standing by turned quickly and touched his hat beg pardon sir i'm from mr smith oh i'm glad to hear it my friend said aristide you're the french gentleman from manchester decidedly said aristide then sir mr smith has sent the carriage for you that's very kind of him said aristide the footman picked up the valise and darted down the platform aristide followed the man held invitingly open the door of a cosy brougham aristide paused for the fraction of a second who was this hospitable mr smith bah he said to himself the best way of finding out is to go and see he entered the carriage sank back luxuriously on the soft cushions and inhaled the warm smell of leather they started and soon the pelting rain beat harmlessly against the windows aristide looked out at the streaming streets and hugging himself comfortably thanked providence and mr smith but who was mr smith tiens thought he there were two little miss smiths at the academy he had pitied them because they had chilblains freckles and perpetual colds in their heads possibly this was their kind papa but after all what did it matter whose papa he was he was expecting him he had sent the carriage for him evidently a well-bred and attentive person eh, tiens there was even a hot water-can on the floor of the brougham he thinks of everything that man said aristide i feel i'm going to like him the carriage stopped at a house in hampstead standing as far as he could see in the darkness in its own grounds the footman opened the door for him to alight and escorted him up the front steps a neat parlour-maid received him in a comfortably furnished hall and took his hat and greatcoat and magnificent bouquet mr smith hasn't come back yet from the city sir but miss christabel is in the drawing-room ah said aristide please give me back my bouquet the maid showed him into the drawing-room a pretty girl of three-and-twenty rose from a fender-stool and advanced smilingly to meet him good afternoon monsieur le baron i was wondering whether thomas would spot you i'm so glad he did you see neither father nor i could give him any description for we had never seen you 
this fitted in with his theory but why baron after all why not the english loved titles he seems to be an intelligent fellow mademoiselle there was a span of silence the girl looked at the bouquet then at aristide who looked at the girl then at the bouquet then at the girl again mademoiselle said he will you deign to accept these flowers as a token of my respectful homage miss christabel took the flowers and blushed prettily she had dark hair and eyes and a fascinating upturned little nose and the kindest little mouth in the world an englishman would not have thought of that she said aristide smiled in his roguish way and raised a deprecating hand oh yes he would but he would not have had what you call the cheek to do it miss christabel laughed merrily invited him to a seat by the fire and comforted him with tea and hot muffins the frank charm of his girl hostess captivated aristide and drove from his mind the riddle of his adventure besides think of the arabian night's enchantment of the change from his lonely and shabby bed-sitting room in the rochon road to this fragrant palace with princess and all to keep him company he watched the firelight dancing through her hair the dainty play of laughter over her face and decided that the brougham had transported him to baghdad instead of hampstead you have the air of a veritable princess said he i once met a princess at a charity bazaar and she was a most matter-of-fact business-like person bah said aristide a princess of a charity bazaar i was talking of the princess in a fairy tale they are the only real ones do you know said miss christabel that when men pay such compliments to english girls they are apt to get laughed at englishmen yes replied aristide because they think over a compliment for a week so that by the time they pay it it is addled like a bad egg but we of provence pay tribute to beauty straight out of our hearts it is true it is sincere and what comes out of the heart is not ridiculous again the girl coloured and laughed i've always heard that a frenchman makes love to every woman he meets naturally said aristide if they are pretty what else are pretty women for otherwise they might as well be hideous oh said the girl to whom this provencal point of view had not occurred so if i make love to you it is but your due i wonder what my fiance would say if he heard you your uh, my fiance there's his photograph on the table beside you he is six foot one and so jealous she laughed again the turk cried aristide his swiftly conceived romance crumbling into dust then he brightened up but when this six feet of muscle and egotism is absent surely other poor mortals can glean a smile you will observe that i'm not frowning said miss christabel but you must not call my fiance a turk for he's a very charming fellow whom i hope you'll like very much aristide sighed and the name of this thrice blessed mortal miss christabel told his name one harry ralston and not only his name but such was the peculiar childlike charm of aristide pujol also many other things about him he was the honourable harry ralston the heir to a great brewery peerage and very wealthy 
he was a member of parliament and but for parliamentary duties would have dined there that evening but he was to come in later as soon as he could leave the house he also had a house in hampshire full of the most beautiful works of art it was through their common hobby that her father and harry had first made acquaintance we're supposed to have a very fine collection here she said with a motion of her hand aristide looked round the walls and saw them hung with pictures in gold frames in those days he had not acquired an extensive culture besides who having before him the firelight gleaming through miss christabel's hair could waste his time over painted canvas she noted his cursory glance i thought you were a connoisseur i am said aristide his bright eyes fixed on her in frank admiration she blushed again but this time she rose i must go and dress for dinner perhaps you would like to be shown your room he hung his head on one side have i been too bold mademoiselle i don't know she said you see i've never met a frenchman before then a world of undreamed-of homage is at your feet said he a servant ushered him up broad carpeted staircases into a bedroom such as he had never seen in his life before it was all curtains and hangings and rugs and soft couches and satin quilts and dainty writing-tables and subdued lights and a great fire glowed red and cheerful and before it hung a clean shirt his poor little toilette apparatus was laid on the dressing-table and with a tact which he did not appreciate for he had sad to tell no dress-suit the servant had spread his precious frock-coat and spare pair of trousers on the bed on the pillow lay his nightshirt neatly folded evidently said aristide impressed by these preparations it is expected that i wash myself now and change my clothes and that i sleep here for the night and for all that the ravishing miss christabel is engaged to her honourable harry this is none the less a corner of paradise so aristide attired himself in his best which included a white tie and a pair of nearly new brown boots a long task as he found that his valise had been spirited away and its contents including the white tie of ceremony he had but one hidden in unexpected drawers and wardrobes and eventually went downstairs into the drawing-room there he found miss christabel and warming himself on the hearth-rug a bald-headed beefy-faced briton with little pig's eyes and a hearty manner attired in a dinner-suit my dear fellow said this personage with outstretched hand i'm delighted to have you here i've heard so much about you and my little girl has been singing your praises mademoiselle is too kind said aristide you must take us as you find us said mr smith we're just ordinary folk but i can give you a good bottle of wine and a good cigar it's only in england you know that you can get champagne fit to drink and cigars fit to smoke and i can give you a glimpse of a modest english home i believe you haven't a word for it in french ma foi no said aristide who had once or twice before heard this lunatic charge brought against his country in france the men all live in cafes the children are all put out to nurse and the women saving the respect of mademoiselle well the less said about them the better 
england is the only place isn't it mr smith declared heartily i don't say that paris hasn't its points but after all the moulin rouge and the folie bergere and that sort of thing soon pall you know soon pall yet paris has its serious side replied aristide there's always the tomb of napoleon papa will never take me to paris sighed the girl you shall go there on your honeymoon said mr smith dinner was announced aristide gave his arm to miss christabel and proud not only of his partner but also of his frock coat white tie and shiny brown boots strutted into the dining-room the host sat at the end of the beautifully set table his daughter on his right aristide on his left the meal began gaily the kind mr smith was in the best of humours and how is our dear old friend jules d'ancourt he asked tiens said aristide to himself we have a dear friend jules d'ancourt wonderfully well he replied at a venture but he suffers terribly at times from the gout so do i confound it said mr smith drinking sherry you and the good jules were always sympathetic said aristide ah he has spoken to me so often about you the tears in his eyes men cry my dear in france mr smith explained they also kiss each other ah mais c'est un beau pays mademoiselle cried aristide and he began to talk of france and to draw pictures of his country which set the girl's eyes dancing after that he told some of the funny little stories which had brought him disaster at the academy mr smith with jovial magnanimity declared that he was the first frenchman he'd ever met with a sense of humour but i thought baron said he that you lived all your life shut up in that old chateau of yours tiens thought aristide i'm still a baron and i have an old chateau tell us about the chateau has it a fosse and a drawbridge and a gothic chapel asked miss christabel which one do you mean inquired aristide airily for i have two when relating to me this arabian night's adventure he drew my special attention to his astuteness his host's eye quivered in a wink the one in languedoc said he languedoc almost pujol's own country with entire lack of morality but with picturesque imagination aristide plunged into a description of that non-existent baronial hall fosse drawbridge gothic chapel were but insignificant features it had thorez emblazoned gateways bastions donjons barbacans it had innumerable rooms in the salle des chevaliers two hundred men-at-arms had his ancestors fed at a sitting there was the room in which francois premier had slept and one in which joan of arc had almost been assassinated what the name of himself or of his ancestors was supposed to be aristide had no ghost of an idea but as he proceeded with the erection of his fairy palace he gradually began to believe in it he invested the place with a living atmosphere conjured up a staff of family retainers notably one marie joseph lafac the wizened old major-domo with his long white whiskers and blue and silver livery there was also madeleine miole the cook and bernadette the groom and la petite fripette the goose-girl ah they should see la petite fripette 
and he kept dogs and horses and cows and ducks and hens and there was a great pond whence frogs were drawn to be fed for the consumption of the household miss christabel shivered i should not like to eat frogs they also eat snails said her father i have a snail farm said aristide you never saw such interesting little animals they are so intelligent if you're kind to them they come and eat out of your hand you've forgotten the pictures said mr smith ah the pictures cried aristide with a wide sweep of his arms galleries full of them raphael michelangelo Wirtz, reynolds he paused not in order to produce the effect of a dramatic apicyopesis but because he could not for the moment remember other names of painters it is a truly historical chateau said he oh i should love to see it said the girl aristide threw out his arms across the table it is yours mademoiselle for your honeymoon said he dinner came to an end miss christabel left the gentlemen to their wine an excellent port whose english qualities were vaunted by the host aristide full of food and drink and the mellow glories of the castle in languedoc and smoking an enormous cigar felt at ease with all the world he knew he should like the kind mr smith hospitable though somewhat insular man he could stay with him for a week or a month why not a year after coffee and liqueurs had been served mr smith rose and switched on a powerful electric light at the end of the large room showing a picture on an easel covered by a curtain he beckoned to aristide to join him and drawing the curtain disclosed the picture there he said isn't it a stunner it was a picture all grey skies and grey water and grey feathery trees and a little man in the foreground wore a red cap it is beautiful but indeed it is magnificent cried aristide always impressionable to things of beauty genuine corot isn't it without doubt said aristide his host poked him in the ribs i thought i'd astonish you you wouldn't believe gottschalk could have done it there it is as large as life and twice as natural if you or anyone else can tell it from a genuine corot i'll eat my hat and all for eight pounds aristide looked at the beefy face and caught a look of cunning in the little pig's eyes now you are satisfied asked mr smith more than satisfied said aristide though what he was to be satisfied about passed for the moment his comprehension if it was a copy of an existing picture you know one might have understood it that of course would be dangerous but for a man to go and get bits out of various carros and stick them together like this is miraculous if it hadn't been for a matter of business principle i'd have given the fellow eight guineas instead of pounds hanged if i wouldn't he deserves it he does indeed said aristide pujol and now that you've seen it with your own eyes what do you think you might ask me for it i suggested something between two and three thousand shall we say three you're the owner you know again the process of rib digging came out of that historic chateau of yours my eye you're a holy terror when you begin to talk you almost persuaded me it was real tiens said aristide to himself i don't seem to have a chateau after all certainly three thousand said he with a grave face that young man thinks he knows a lot but he doesn't said mr smith 
ah said aristide with singular laconicism not a bloomin thing continued his host but he'll pay three thousand which is the principal isn't it he's partner in the show you know ralston wiggins and wicks's brewery aristide pricked up his ears and when his doddering old father dies he'll be lord ranley and come into a million of money has he seen the picture asked aristide oh yes regards it as a masterpiece didn't brownenberger tell you of the lancre we planted on the american mr smith rubbed hearty hands at the memory of the iniquity same old game always easy i have nothing to do with the bargaining or the sale just an old friend of the ruined french nobleman with the historic chateau and family treasures he comes along and fixes the price i told our friend harry oh good thought aristide this is the same honourable harry m p who is engaged to the ravishing miss christabel i told him said mr smith that it might come to three or four thousand he jibbed a bit so when i wrote to you i said two or three but you might try him with three to begin with aristide went back to the table and poured himself out a fresh glass of his kind host's eighteen sixty five brandy and drank it off exquisite my dear fellow said he i've none finer in my historic chateau don't suppose you have grinned the host joining him he slapped him on the back well said he with a shifty look in his little pig's eyes let us talk business what do you think would be your fair commission you see all the trouble and invention have been mine what do you say to four hundred pounds five said aristide promptly a sudden gleam came into the little pig's eyes done said mr smith who had imagined that the other would demand a thousand and was prepared to pay eight hundred done said he again they shook hands to seal the bargain and drank another glass of old brandy at that moment a servant entering took the host aside please excuse me a moment said he and went with the servant out of the room aristide left alone lighted another one of his kind host's fat cigars and threw himself into a great leathern armchair by the fire and surrendered himself deliciously to the soothing charm of the moment now and then he laughed finding a certain comicality in his position and what a charming father-in-law this kind mr smith his cheerful reflections were soon disturbed by the sudden eruption of his host and a grizzled elderly foxy-faced gentleman with a white moustache wearing the ribbon of the legion of honour in the buttonhole of his overcoat here you are cried the kind mr smith striding up to aristide with a very red face will you have the kindness to tell me who the devil you are aristide rose and putting his hands behind the tails of his frock-coat stood smiling radiantly at the hearth-rug a wit much less alert than my irresponsible friends would have instantly appreciated the fact that the real simon pure had arrived on the scene i my dear friend said he am the baron de je ne sais plus you're a confounded impostor spluttered mr smith and this gentleman here to whom i have not had the pleasure of being introduced asked aristide blandly i am monsieur poiron monsieur the agent of messrs brauenberger and compagnie art dealers of the rue notre dame des petits champs of paris said the newcomer with an air of defiance ah i thought you were the baron 
said Aristide. There's no bloomin' baron at all about it, screamed Mr. Smith. Are you Poiron, or is he? I would not have a name like Poiron for anything in the world, said Aristide. My name is Aristide Pujol, soldier of fortune, at your service. How the blazes did you get here? Your servant asked me if I was a French gentleman from Manchester. I was. He said that Mr. Smith had sent his carriage for me. I thought it hospitable of the kind Mr. Smith. I entered the carriage. Et voilà! Then clear out of here this very minute, said Mr. Smith, reaching forward his hand to the bell push. Aristide checked his impulsive action. Pardon me, dear host, said he. It is raining dogs and cats outside. I am very comfortable in your luxurious home. I am here, and here I stay. I'm shot if you do, said the kind Mr. Smith, his face growing redder and uglier. Now, will you go out, or will you be thrown out? Aristide, who had no desire whatever to be ejected from this snug nest into the welter of the wet and friendless world, puffed at his cigar and looked at his host with the irresistible drollery of his eyes. "'You forget, mon cher ami,' said he, "'that neither the beautiful Miss Christabel nor her affianced the Honourable Harry, M.P., would care to know that the talented Gottschalk got only eight pounds, not even guineas, for painting that three-thousand-pound picture.' "'So it's blackmail, eh?' "'Precisely,' said Aristide, "'and I don't blush at it. "'You infernal little blackguard!' i seem to be in congenial company said aristide i don't think our friend monsieur poiron has more scruples than he has right to the ribbon of the legion of honour which he is wearing how much will you take to go out i have a cheque-book handy mr smith moved a few steps from the hearth-rug aristide sat down in the armchair an engaging fantastic impudence was one of the charms of aristide Pujol i'll take five hundred pounds said he to stay in stay in mr smith grew apoplectic yes said aristide you can't do without me your daughter and your servants know me as monsieur le baron by the way what is my name and where is my historic chateau in languedoc mireille said monsieur poiron who was sitting grim and taciturn on one of the dining-room chairs and the place is the same near montpellier i like to meet an intelligent man said aristide i should like to wring your infernal neck said the kind mr smith but by george if we do let you in you'll have to sign me a receipt implicating yourself up to the hilt i'm not going to be put into the cart by you you can bet your life well, anything you like said aristide so long as we all swing together now when aristide pujol arrived at this point in his narrative i his chronicler who am nothing if not an eminently respectable law-abiding briton took him warmly to task for his sheer absence of moral sense his eyes as they sometimes did assumed a luminous pathos my dear friend said he have you ever faced the world in a foreign country in december with no character and fifteen pounds five and threepence in your pocket five hundred pounds was a fortune it is one now and to be gained just by lending oneself to a good farce which didn't hurt anybody you and your british morals bah said he with a fine flourish 
Aristide, after much parleying, was finally admitted into the nefarious brotherhood. He was to retain his rank as the Baron de Mireille and play the part of the pecuniarily inconvenienced nobleman forced to sell some of his rare collection. Mr. Smith had heard of the Corot through their dear old common friend, Jules d'Ancourt au Rhin, and had mentioned it alluringly to the Honourable Harry, had arranged for the Baron, who was visiting England, to bring it over and dispatch it to Mr. Smith's house, and on his return from Manchester to pay a visit to Mr. Smith, so that he could meet the Honourable Harry in person. In whatever transaction ensued, Mr. Smith, so far as his prospective son-in-law was concerned, was to be the purely disinterested friend. It was Aristide's wit which invented a part for the supplanted Monsieur Poivron. He should be the eminent Parisian expert, who, chancing to be in London, had been telephoned for by the kind Mr. Smith. It would not be wise for Monsieur Poiron, said Aristide, chuckling inwardly with puckish glee, to stay here for the night, or for two or three days, or a week, like myself. He must go back to his hotel when the business is concluded. Mais, pardon, cried Monsieur Poiron, who had been formally invited, and had arrived late solely because he had missed his train at Manchester, and come on by the next one i cannot go out into the wet and i have no hotel to go to aristide appealed to his host bah he is unreasonable cher ami he must play his role monsieur poiron has been telephoned for he can't possibly stay here surely five hundred pounds is worth one little night of discomfort and there are a legion of hotels in london five hundred pounds exclaimed monsieur poiron qu'est-ce que c'est vous gentil là i want more than five hundred pounds then you're jolly well not going to get it replied mr smith in a rage and as for you he turned on aristide i'll wring your infernal neck yet calm yourself calm yourself smiled aristide who was enjoying himself hugely at this moment the door opened and miss christabel appeared on seeing the decorated stranger she started with a little oh of surprise i beg your pardon Mr. Smith's angry face wreathed itself in smiles. This, my darling, is Monsieur Poiron, the eminent Paris expert, who has been good enough to come and give us his opinion on the picture. Monsieur Poiron bowed. Aristide advanced. Mademoiselle, your appearance is like a mirage in a desert. She smiled indulgently and turned to her father. I've been wondering what had become of you. Harry has been here for the last half hour bring him in dear child bring him in said mr smith with all the heartiness of the fine old english gentleman our good friends are dying to meet him the girl flickered out of the room like a sunbeam the phrase is aristides and the three precious rascals put their heads together in a hurried and earnest colloquy presently miss christabel returned and with her came the honourable harry ralston a tall soldierly fellow with close-cropped fair curly hair and a fair moustache and frank blue eyes that even in parliament had seen no harm in his fellow-creatures 
aristide's magical vision caught him wincing ever so little at mr smith's effusive greeting and overdone introductions he shook aristide warmly by the hand you have a beauty there baron a perfect beauty said he with the insane ingenuousness of youth i wonder how you can manage to part with it ma foi said aristide with his back against the end of the dining-table and gazing at the masterpiece i have so many at the chateau de marais when one begins to collect you know and when one's grandfather and father had had also the divine mania you were saying monsieur le baron said monsieur poiron of paris that your respected grandfather bought this direct from corot himself a commission said aristide my grandfather was a patron of corot do you like it dear asked the honourable harry oh yes replied the girl fervently it is beautiful i feel like harry about it she turned to aristide how can you part with it were you really in earnest when you said you would like me to come and see your collection for me said aristide it would be a visit of enchantment you must take me then she whispered to harry the baron has been telling us about his lovely old chateau will you come monsieur asked aristide since i'm going to rob you of your picture said the young man with smiling courtesy the least i can do is to pay you a visit of apology lovely said he going up to the corot aristide took miss christabel now more bewitching than ever with the glow of young love in her eyes and a flush on her cheek a step or two aside and whispered but he is charming your fiance he almost deserves his good fortune why almost she laughed shyly tis not a man but a demigod that would deserve you mademoiselle mr poiron's harsh voice broke out you see it is painted in the beginning of corot's later manner it is eighteen sixty four there is the mystery which when he was quite an old man became a trick if you were to put it up to auction at christie's it would fetch i am sure five thousand pounds that's more than i can afford to give said the young man with a laugh mr smith mentioned something between three and four thousand pounds i don't think i can go above three i have nothing to do with it my dear boy nothing whatever said mr smith rubbing his hands you wanted a corot i said i thought i could put you on to one it's for the baron here to mention his price i retire now and forever well baron said the young man cheerfully what's your idea aristide came forward and resumed his place at the end of the table the picture was in front of him beneath the strong electric light on his left stood mr smith and poiron on his right miss christabel and the honourable harry i'll not take three thousand pounds for it said aristide a picture like that never i assure you it would be a fair price said poiron you mentioned that figure yourself only just now said mr smith with an ugly glitter in his little pig's eyes i presume gentlemen said aristide that this picture is my own property he turned engagingly to his host is it not cher ami of course it is who said it wasn't and uh, you monsieur poiron acknowledge formally that it is mine he asked in french sans aucun doute ah bien said aristide throwing open his arms and gazing round sweetly i have changed my mind i do not sell the picture at all 
not sell it what the what, what do you mean asked mr smith striving to mellow the gathering thunder on his brow i do not sell said aristide listen my dear friends he was in the seventh heaven of happiness the principal man the star taking the centre of the stage i have an announcement to make to you i have fallen desperately in love with mademoiselle there was a general gasp mr smith looked at him red-faced and open-mouthed miss christabel blushed furiously and emitted a sound halfway between a laugh and a scream harry ralston's eyes flashed my dear sir he began pardon said aristide disarming him with the merry splendour of his glance i do not wish to take mademoiselle from you my love is hopeless i know it but it will feed me to my dying day in return for the joy of this hopeless passion i will not sell you the picture i give it to you as a wedding present he stood with the air of a hero both arms extended toward the amazed pair of lovers i give it to you said he it is mine i have no wish but for your happiness in my chateau de marais there are a hundred others this is madness said mr smith bursting with suppressed indignation so that his bald head grew scarlet my dear fellow said mr harry ralston it is unheard-of generosity on your part but we can't accept it then said aristide advancing dramatically to the picture i take it under my arm i put it in a handsome cab and i go with it back to languedoc mr smith caught him by the wrist and dragged him out of the room you little brute do you want your neck broken do you want the marriage of your daughter with the rich and honourable harry broken asked aristide oh damn 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 cried mr smith stamping about helplessly and half weeping aristide entered the dining-room and beamed on the company the kind mr smith has consented mr honourable harry and miss christabel there is your corot and now may i be permitted he rang the bell a servant appeared some champagne to drink to the health of the fiances he cried lots of champagne mr smith looked at him almost admiringly by jove he muttered you have got a nerve voila said aristide when he had finished the story and did they accept the corot i asked of course it is hanging now in the big house in hampshire i stayed with a kind mr smith for six weeks he added doubling himself up in his chair and hugging himself with mirth and we became very good friends and i was at the wedding and what about their honeymoon visit to languedoc alas said aristide the morning before the wedding i had a telegram it was from my old father at aigues to tell me that the historic chateau de marais with my priceless collection of pictures had been burned to the ground End of chapter three